Just before we start the show, I wanted to remind you about this year's London Vet Show, which is at the Excel Arena on Thursday the 12th and Friday the 13th of November, and as ever, promises to be a brilliant event. I went to the vet show for the first time last year to record these podcasts, and I wondered why the heck I'd missed it before. Our lovely friends at the Vet Show are offering Borborygamy listeners a fantastic 10% off via a special link, which is, ready, london.vetshow.com forward slash borborygamy hyphen booking. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's in the show notes. So just hit the link there and book your tickets today with the code LVS20. Thanks to London Vet Show. Hi there, and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary Profession, a new podcast that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. This season, we'll be bringing you a range of chats recorded at the London Vet Show, featuring a wide range of friends and colleagues discussing their thoughts on some of the triumphs and tribulations encountered by those in the veterinary industry. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vet Times, Vets Stego Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you so much to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It has been much appreciated. Today on Borborygmy, you'll hear Naomi Meller, that's me by the way, and Polly Compston. Polly and I went to vet school together many moons ago, and we both now fit into the diversify category of the veterinary profession. Polly has worked in practice. She's done a master's in epidemiology and public health, a clinical research residency. She's worked overseas for the equine charity, The Brook, and is now doing a PhD on foot and mouth disease in Kenya. I've also worked in equine practice both in the UK and abroad and currently work for the British Horse Racing Authority on the regulatory side of the sport, as well as doing some research. The conversation picks up with us talking about becoming a vet and the choices we've made. My mum always says that I like held a lamb when I was like three and then was like, I'm going to be a vet mummy. And then they were like, yes, yes, darling, very nice. You know, like she'll grow out of it. And yeah, I think just sort of didn't really give up on the idea of wanting to do that and I think that was one of the things I found um, hardest when I was talking about doing something other than clinical practice because I mean like you like I've I've worked in clinical practice but um, I do a mixture of things now and I think that that feeling of the sort of failure of leaving a dream and um, the idea that something that I'd held on to very dearly um, when I was younger and sort of letting go of that as a as a career choice was was I found very difficult and and not just because I I think we attach so much um significance to the term of I'm a vet you know and and more particularly other people do as well and you know certainly my parents were so proud that I'm a vet and you know it's it's the sort of thing you can tell other people that that's what you're kids do isn't it you know and I think letting go of that and and saying no actually I want to do something different I found difficult no I think I think it's um something I still 
have to think about so I'll always introduce myself as a vet Um, even though you know the PhDA I'm doing now is on socioeconomics I didn't need my veterinary degree to get to To do that project although I think it will be a different project because I am a vet but I will still always introduce myself as a vet and I get I sort of try to say that I'm a vet and I do something not I'm a vet but I don't but I'm not a clinician I'm a vet and I'm a researcher and I'm these other things but it is hard especially somewhere like here where I know that I'm going to see all these people who I went to vet school with and who are still doing clinical practice and still doing the things that yeah I love I that I don't think I could go back to now that would be very hard for me to go back to it's been a long time I think that thing of and not but is a is a really nice phrase to use actually and I try and use that one as well and you know I still do an odd bit of clinical practice here and there as a locum and I still think that I find myself justifying to myself that it's okay because I still do a bit you know and you kind of think but it's okay if you don't. It's interesting, isn't it? I, I can't... I mean, I'm still MRCBS, mm. despite being a student, <laughs> and despite doing my clinical work, but I won't give it up. And you're travelling extensively, or well, you have travelled extensively with Brooke and with your PhD and stuff. What is it about the developing world and all that kind of thing that you find has really added to your career, Pom? Um, I think it's... I have loved... It's been such a privilege to go to the places that I've been and work with the people that I've worked with. So I've. Um, Do you want to tell me some of the yeah, places you've been? Yeah. Uh, so cool. um, at Brook, I went. It's such an obnoxious list, but I went to <laughs> Guatemala, um, Kenya, Ethiopia, Senegal, um, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, um, and it was amazing. I think kind of it taught me a lot of humility. It taught me a lot about how people are generally really nice, they're good, they're friendly, they're open, wherever you are, and it doesn't really matter how different to you you think they are, actually. People are just people. People are people. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it make, has made me realise how lucky I got it to be... British and I mean I say that slightly (laughs) Um, but I mean you know I am lucky I'm you know I'm uh, I'm well educated I'm white I'm English speaking um, and all of those things make a massive have been you know have given me huge advantages and I also am always Brooke, I was overwhelmed by how much people really cared about their animals and how much the vets really still cared about the animal welfare. There's still just when they had lives that I don't think we can really imagine. And what would you say about working in sort of charitable sector, academic sector, um, in terms of people considering that as a career choice? Like, is it something that has brought you a lot of fulfilment and? enjoyment and do you think that it's an under pushed area should we say or what are your thoughts on that interesting I think lots of people want to do it because they like traveling and it's exciting that's definitely what got me into it um I think I realized that I needed more 
education and more validity to work in those contexts. I needed. I did a master's in epidemiology and public health, and it's one of the reasons why I'm doing my PhD now is because I think to make a positive effort, you need or a positive change, you need to be good, and that's what I want to be good. So what about you? What do you think's next for you? You've got this portfolio career, which is something I'm so... Um, I think it's so awesome. It's not something that I think I could do. I think I'd find it so difficult to have lots of different pieces. Yeah. I mean, it comes with it. Together, it like. comes with, um, you know, minor drawbacks. I spend a lot of time living out of bags and waking up and thinking what the hell am I doing today and I have gone from being a very disorganized person to having a color-coded google diary which is like the best thing ever these days um I don't know is a simple answer I take I take each day and each month and each year as it comes and I'm someone who if there's an opportunity I normally say yes to do things like this I suppose you know come and spend a few days at the vet show and just having organizing this sort of thing and enjoying meeting people and that is probably when I drill down into like what my enjoyment is is I get a lot of satisfaction and pleasure out of meeting people and encouraging people and seeing other people grow and it's something I've been reflecting on a lot recently and it's one of the things that I draw from clinical practice is my enjoyment is you know I do love the horses that's what the area that I work in and I do really like equine practice but actually what I enjoy is is meeting people and I don't know where that's going to lead me and and I would never have dreamed probably five years ago that that I would be doing anything other than being a vet full-time and the simple answer is I I'll take the next open door I don't know what that will hold, but I'm excited. It is exciting. Can I ask you another question? Of course you can. Um, so, like, because we were talking at the beginning about that feeling of being a vet and how it's quite hard to be a vet and and sort of to move away from clinical practice. Do you think that there's something in the way that we were taught at university? Do you think that, again, talking to vet students has made me think about what I might say to myself going into the final year of vet school, which is the time I really found very difficult and I don't know do you think do you think it's just part of growing up and being a vet you're so closeted that you've lots of other people have to do that maybe a bit earlier or do you think there's something that the profession can do to support people I think times have changed a lot in the last 15 to I mean it's what is it 18 years since we went to vet school and you know it's I think things have changed a lot but we never had really a mention of doing anything other than working as a clinical vet and I'm sure that has changed and you know you and I have been to vet schools recently to talk about doing other things and I think that is important to let the students know and I'm still I am still a little bit amazed that they they find the idea of doing anything other than clinical practice quite novel um but I think that it's just a question of making sure that people feel supported in whatever they want to do and I mean I I think because I had a very James Herriot pair of spectacles on that that I thought that that was my dream forever and ever and I think for a lot of people for a long time it probably was you know and we could name innumerable numbers of our friends who started in practice and with this such enthusiasm that that we thought we were going to be doing mixed practice in Yorkshire forever you know and 
and that was what we thought and I think it, you're right that a part of it is just about growing up and about understanding that life changes and I think as millennials although I really hate that word um we do have a different take on work Naomi's just like revealed how much younger than me she is (laughs) I don't get to be a millennial oh Polly yeah anyway never mind (laughs) never mind Um, (laughs) I'm not that young um I think you know it's different to our parents generation where you know my dad is in the same place for 33 years and that that is different and I think it's I think we have a different attitude to work these days and I don't think that that is a bad thing I think it's difficult for people of our parents generation to accept and I think that there is also a dichotomy between um, older partners in practice and younger vets coming in in some cases and before anyone trolls me about that that is not the case across the board but I think it, it, it happens in some cases so I think that's that's kind of where I, I think the profession has to just develop a degree of understanding and about the fact that the workforce has changed and is changing, you know. Thanks for listening. I'm Naomi Meller, vet and host of Smashing the Ceiling. You may have heard a little bit of me in these episodes or the fabulous Sophie Walsh, also a vet and full-time science documentary maker who co-hosted these sessions with me. We'd love you to rate and review the podcast or tell a friend if you enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with another episode.